Well, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you so much for coming to this session, the last session. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and we're very happy that you're here. I think we might have a few people trickle in because people are still enjoying their di Diet Cokes and bagels. So um, what we want to do first, though, um, I wanted to give you just a brief little out, uh, overview of what we plan to do today. And the first thing um, we're going to do is... I the panel is going to introduce themselves and sort of give their point of view of volunteerism and kind of where they sit in the hierarchy of their organization. And then, um, <laughs> I heard that, <laughs> uh, laughing. Oh, I thought you were laughing. No, that's okay. Um, anyway, um, and then we have some question prompts and you'll see there on your um, table, there's a white piece of paper because we're going to have some discussion. We're not here necessarily to um, solve all the problems but to hopefully have some interaction and some discussion and get our brains thinking about volunteers in our organizations. So, first things first, um, session presenters. My name is Robin Davis and I am the volunteer and marketing manager here in Oklahoma City at the Oklahoma History Center, which um, we hosted an event on Thursday night. I hope you all got to come, it was a lot of fun. And I actually hold a certification in volunteer administration. It's a relatively, um, quiet little certification. There's not a whole lot of people who know about it, and there's less than a thousand of us in the world. And um, I am very proud of that distinction because um, there's a lot of misconception about volunteerism and about volunteer coordinators that, you know, we get to do all the fun stuff and, and all that and that kind of thing. And so this sort of professionalizes the um, um, community, which I really want to try and continue to support. I was hired in July of 2005 to start the volunteer program for the new Oklahoma History Center and had the very good fortune and blessing to be able to do nothing but volunteer research and development for about six months. And because of that, I think that um, we have a remarkable program that I'm very, very proud of. I have a background in nonprofit administration um, for about 10 years with both humanities organizations as well as social services. And I'm happy to answer any kinds of questions related to the CVA or about our program. So um, our next presenter that I'd like to introduce is Mike Bell, and I'm gonna let him come up and tell you a little bit about his program, and then we'll move on to Jason and Rebecca. Good morning. My name is Michael Bell. I'm curator of collections for the Oklahoma Museum of History at the History Center. Um, <clears throat> I've been working with the uh, volunteers uh, at the History Center now for five years, but before that I worked uh, in Guthrie at the Oklahoma Territorial Museum, the Guthrie Museum Complex, where we utilize volunteers extensively. I've been working with volunteers for a little over 20 years now, and uh, quite frankly, I don't think museums can get along without them. They are vital. Uh, we use our, our uh, volunteers in our collections. Uh, we do uh, cleaning. We do uh, data entry. We do just about anything and everything you can think of. And uh, I really like them. So, Jason. Well, good morning. My name is Jason Harris. I'm the Director of Education at the Oklahoma History Center. I've been there not quite four years. Um, as an educator, of course, I work with the public. And we do programs for some 60,000 individuals a year with a staff of four. So in order to do those types of programs, we have to build our capacity and the way we do it is through volunteer programs and internships. And I'm sure we will talk about that again briefly in just a minute. So. Good morning, I'm Rebecca Martin, and I'm the volunteer and tour coordinator at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. Um, the National Archives is a large organization with about three dozen facilities around the country. We have separate volunteer programs at each of those facilities, with the ones in Washington having one program. Um, so my expertise with the National Archives is about the DC um, programs. There we have about 300 volunteers and they do everything from behind the scenes projects where they are processing records, and they're describing materials, they're working on curriculum development for education projects, to um, giving tours to the general public, to helping genealogy researchers. In terms of my own background, I've coordinated volunteers at three different places, um, at Habitat for Humanity in the Twin Cities, um, where we had a volunteer program of about 3,000 people. Um, um, and now at the 
at the National Archives with about 300 volunteers. But in between, I was at the Litchfield Historical Society in Litchfield, Connecticut, which is a small um, local historical society that has about full-time four full-time staff members when I was there, although for part of the time I was there, two of those positions were vacant for about two years. So we had two full-time staff members, and as you can imagine, we really needed the help of our volunteers. Um, There we had about 60 people who volunteered, not um, always regularly. Some of them came just for special events um, and helped maybe once or twice a year. Um, But there I was not the full-time volunteer coordinator. I was the full-time education coordinator, and volunteer management was a teeny tiny part of what I did. Um, So I can certainly um, help you consider different perspectives on volunteer management, whether it's something that you are able to dedicate resources to having someone do full-time, or you want to think about it as part of someone's responsibility. Okay, so now you know us. We want to know you. And so who's in the room? I'd like for us to just briefly go around the room and say who you are, who you're with, and kind of where you fit into the volunteer scheme at your organization, okay? So I know you, so I'm going to pick on you. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. My name is Nicole Harvey. I am the Volunteer Media Services Coordinator at the Villa Tickets Oklahoma Heritage Museum. Here in Oklahoma City. Sorry, yes. Here in Oklahoma City. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, welcome. And you're a student, too. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm Sandra Baker. I'm the volunteer program director at Hines History Center. Okay. Oh, we've talked. We've emailed. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm Emily Reynolds at the Sam Noble Oklahoma Museum of Natural History in Norman, Oklahoma, and I am a volunteer coordinator and also teach education programs. I'm Maria Lundy from the Michigan Historical Center in education coordinator with some responsibility for docent training as well Wonderful. And the ladies in the back? Well, thank you for introducing yourself. As you heard, there are many different roles we all play, being a volunteer or a staff person or um, unpaid staff intern, et cetera. And the reason I have you do that is because we are all, none of us have the right answer because there are no right answers. But together as a group and learning from each other, that's the best thing we can do to strengthen our own volunteer programs and make our programs better for our volunteers and our staff. And so I I want you all to always know that you have resources available to you. It could be the two of you make a connection 
today when we have a discussion and you share business cards and I encourage you to do that. Um, and all of us brought our cards and you are welcome to contact any of us if you have any questions after this um, presentation. So, and it's not really a presentation so much as it is I wanted to generate discussion. So, um, Mary Lou? Do you want to move back and sit with these ladies, or do you want them to come up here with you? Because <laughs> we need each other. Yes, sir. Okay. 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 How about if we divide into two tables? Would that be helpful? How about if we use these two center tables right here? So, Nicole, you, and Beth move so that we have kind of an equal number of people at each table. And the um, presenters, we as soon as we kind of get going here, we're also going to break off and be at the tables as well, okay? Uh, so, kind of re relocate. Everybody make sure you have your own piece of white paper that's got the question at the top. All righty. Go with the people. Huh? Can we move the, you want us to move the microphone? Okay. We're going to let you do your thing. Okay. talk about um, rights and responsibilities of volunteer program managers as well as volunteers, how to build a good volunteer. It will not teach you how to build a program. It will make you understand how you can be the best volunteer manager in the league. And that sounds all easy, but it is the truth. No, no. And standards. Yes, there are standards of excellence for volunteer administration. And I highly recommend it. There are two things that you have to do. Well, actually, there are three things that you have to do to get it. And one of them is that you have And then you also have to do a portfolio, and one of them is to um, write a case study for a program that you had something to do with directly. And then there was also um, because in 150 words or 500 words or less, I had to write this is what I think and believe about volunteerism, and I had to pick three of the principles of volunteer management and write. here and I'm not asking you to answer these questions necessarily based on your own experiences at your organization but to just generate some discussion why don't we have volunteers what is this weirdness that staff and volunteers have together and the people that we've chosen who are staff at our respective organizations like volunteers okay we might not have always loved them and adored them, but we do now. So if you're having, if you have questions or in your, in your experience as a volunteer or as a staff person, then let's talk about these things and let's get it all out there. 
Um, the reason this whole session came about is because there was a local organization that asked me to come and facilitate a conversation with their staff because their staff didn't want volunteers and they didn't know why and what all that stuff was. So we just got all the dirty laundry out of the basket. Okay, so that's what this is about. So let's ask these questions. Let's make some notes. Let's do some discussion. Um, what time is it? It is five after. Okay, it's five after 11. Let's do this until about, when's our session end? Noon? Yes. Noon. Let's do this until about 11.30. Okay, so go. So, all right. Why not volunteers? What are some of the weirdnesses you all have at your organizations or that you've experienced? Well, if you have volunteers, then why do they need staff anymore? Okay. I mean, I think that's some of the problem is that they're taking away jobs from the full-time staff and part-time staff. Okay. Right. What about some of the staff things there? So that's an interesting idea. You were telling me earlier that we have a lot of volunteers and we don't have anyone that's dedicated as a volunteer coordinator or trainer, really. And they're from every job to chairman of the board to the one for the one and, and I'm not I'm not in a good position an hour a day mm -hmm. or something like that. And so they do have a lot of power. They were, use that word. They have a lot of, the particular ones have a lot of power. How many of you came out earlier? Uh about four there are only four of us in the room part-time. And about how many dogs? Well, I would say, <coughs> you know, the whole board I is, they actually do volunteer things, they also serve on committees, so, a good solid two maybe 30, 40, okay, so it's a pretty distinct difference, yeah, yeah. okay, right, and so what are some of the, the uh, obstacles you all face in that situation? Some of our volunteers have physical issues that mm -hmm. don't allow them to go in all parts of the museum, so, Difficult to come up with uh, meaningful tasks for them yeah, okay. to do, and yet they really want to be there, and we're happy to have them. Show um, so that's one. Um, sometimes there's a tension between uh, standards, what is common and in practice versus. They know they can more done. I would just say that that would be a major one.
they're not all like that by any means. They right. have to be some wonderful really, volunteers. But, problem, but truthfully, um, it is some of my biggest frustrations. Mm -hmm. um, and that you put, put a big, big effort into training them on something. Primarily a research-based institution, but we do have 50,000 more feet exhibit space. Something's just changed in their lives, so now they're going to move on to and um, the I guess I do understand that, and that um, uh, it would help it if I had more of an emergency backup system. I don't know, you know, because I feel like, yeah, I feel like now I may need the emergency backup system. Whether it's 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon or 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And so that makes sense. That's where I'm We don't really have a problem with why we don't want volunteers. So I guess one of the largest problems is that there's a level of maybe not distrust in their ability, but maybe not sure that they can do certain things like special events that we have when there's kind of VIP members of the community that are going to be there, that maybe volunteers aren't the right people to greet these guests as they come in, um, only staff have that ability or finesse to deal with this sort of um, member of the community, and uh, my problem with it is that these are special like events that are great draws for the volunteers or the reward really the social aspect that the volunteers would really enjoy to attend. Um, and people. so it's very difficult Not in a mean way, but just to, to say, hey, reconcile those two kind of philosophies. So. And also, because I know Nicole, yeah. our organization, she also has a primarily professional staff that came from events and people are. So it's a whole different paradigm. Yeah, it's a very, very different. program, and it's a volunteer-based program. It's an association. Volunteers go out and meet our association in the museum, and we only have and we have three people who really do anything on the museum They know. You know, they'll so say exactly like three text. No, none of my volunteers do collections. And the next we don't have one of our galleries upstairs. And it's well, like actually, yeah, it's a technologically based museum, job, lots of videos and um, the touch screens areas, computer type stuff. Um, it's, a, it's, a his, it's a heritage museum, it tells the work. But it's like they're already told. It's a very different setup than most public people's organizations here. Ours, the volunteers go to public floor because it helps. I mean, our dose to a guy. Um, a thousand greeting visitors, um, or they're doing behind the scenes so work, but it's very clerical in its so nature. Uh, we have a specific mailing drawer we need that tells uh, not only I mean, the phones of the donors and say thank you for being a member or whatever the nature is, it's just it's not collections, it's not developing the direction right away in there. It's you know, like so it really helps with the very clerical of getting those school groups to the right place and our education department is towards the side of short term. They don't want to give her jobs that are needed. So one of the places that she's looking at is for years. I was looking at interning at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. In the field, which is really good, but she I went in to interview with them, and I've interned at the History Center for almost nine months now. And I created a program from scratch all by myself. That's what I've asked. Well, I'd love to see what you're training so I do um, have yeah, some I mean, idea of yeah, what I'm doing a little bit. I like to think I do anyways, and well, I gave I, tours I and all thing, that stuff. But when I went question, to the Museum of Art to um, interview, sometimes we they specifically wanted an intern to do clerical work, to stamp papers, make copies, and that's not something that so I, I'm an anthropology student. I graduate in December, and I believe that I'm going to graduate school for studies. So I need an internship. That's going to help me the supervision also takes time. Instead of 
So being a professional usually with the copy machine, the staff members is um, time they do have their graduate students do programs. Um, and four they have a big project over a group the time period of a semester, but it's more like a thesis. A core group thing. Can do and that to me, that was something that if you're going and to have an intern, you should use to make that transition to do something besides or just about the upfront time. I will have stable on the other thing that we're do doing is we're I agree. for any term, intern, I also care about professionals for our field, you know, so it's an opportunity that she might be interning for you for a semester, but in three years, she might be lost in college. Or you're For as long as they're going to be there, the better off you're going to be. But if, and that's the most resistance that I know for my staff. They are resistant, resistant to making that initial investment because they're afraid. I'm going to train this person. They're going to get really good, and then they're going to go off and get another job. Well, yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly what. But what cracks me up is that it happens within the, the paid staff as well. The turnover is and it's going to happen in real life. It happens with your children. You you make this incredible investment, and what do they do? They rent the car. They you know. And they leave, and they go on. So for me, I read about the museum that so, you know, like uh, made sure that maybe, every like, staff you position could take to included as part of its job description. Working with I would love to get that Right. I would love to get that into my museum because we advertise ourselves as the oldest volunteer cultural institution in the city. And yet I've got staffers saying, I'm too busy for volunteers. And that's that's the song and dance. And it's not just a question, and I appreciate that position, because God knows I feel myself. But what it reflects on us is this. How poor are our management, our teaching skills, that we are too busy to make that initial investment. It's a question of 
somebody in a museum position, whether it's people in collections, whether it's people in library and archives, whether it's people in education, who are willing to realize that part of their job is to train, supervise people at a certain level so that they can go over here and do other things. And invariably, once you get the staff in that mindset, they begin to understand how valuable volunteers are. But it's getting them to that point. It's tough. Well, that, and that is something that um, over the time at the history And some of it comes back to matchmaking. When you have a volunteer it's a learning program, process it's almost to like a dating service. Because you will have staff members who like volunteers and staff members who don't. You will there have you go. It's completely like different things. And, you have and to certainly, we do need volunteers to their needs to take abilities and, and what you want. But over time, you have a volunteer what you're hoping, which is what Mike has done a fabulous so job at, more time is in he now has a volunteer staff that has helped him expand what he's capable of accomplishing in his position. So who wants a volunteer that has might a volunteer? Because I'm getting okay. more of those. And, and there will always be some staff member. Robin, you know, earlier I had one volunteer. Don't give it Martha. She's been because with us now five years. From the beginning. Yeah, from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, from the very beginning. Uh, and and she uh, comes in and let me give you a little background about it. That's right. We moved into the History Center in November of 2005. We were scattered at three different locations. We were up, up Lincoln Boulevard, up on the north side here. Then we had our main facility at the, at the uh, Will, our, Will Rogers building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we also had an off-site warehouse. And, and we, we moved had out our office was working at 4901 North Lincoln. We opened in November. We were told we had to be out of there. By the she now works in the education department where she thrives mm -hmm. in and, and that's in what January, we're going to do. We had like just gone five years and you'll find intensive don't give development of exhibits, trying to collect things for the new building. Five years and it was extremely stressful. We opened in November. All the big fan fairs over and they tell us we've got to be out of 4901 by the end of November or the end of, end of February. We had less than five weeks. Actually, because we actually took about three weeks off. Everybody did because of the stress. So starting about the first of January, we started trying to get prepared, trying to get things in boxes. It was all on shelves, hundreds of things. We've been in there six years, collecting, moving our collections up there. So we were literally putting things in boxes, um, writing numbers on the outside of them. What's going on and at your museum is the next question. Time to move. I rented the truck. Give an I loaded the truck. I drove the truck. We do I unloaded over the truck. And we moved it downstairs and put it on shelf. And we did that for three to five weeks. Who really loved then they told very us small children. that we had to be out of the Wiley Post which building. Which is the Wesley Wiley Post building. We don't have Post building. So I went by the end of April. And we had done what? No preparation. So what we had done, no sign of any preparation. So again, we went in, the buildings off shelves, put them in boxes, wrote their numbers on the outside of the box. Programs with the drugs that relate to the truck, book, I unloaded which the truck, we put it on a shelf in a new building. And then they go in and I wish I could take a short tour of one matching this book. Huge, tremendous room. We, we moved approximately 30,000. The first year we did it as a trial. Uh, a short time later, it was about a year later, we moved out of our four street warehouse, which is where we had most of our There's not a lot of time. Big volunteers are more than capable of writing the program. Deplorable condition. Next year will be our third year. We just loaded things up. So there's no staff That's when we started using our volunteers. In fact, volunteers actually kind of program I asked Robin, can you get some volunteers to come in and help us room? Because we needed bodies. We needed people who could pack boxes. Whatever they you may be successful. We had several really good or ones where you have a disc for programming, but you don't know. We needed those out pretty quick. And so once we got everything moved, once the dust had settled. We where did that start? One end. You will be surprised. And um, people would go along with volunteers or paper and start writing down session numbers. Mm -hmm. And we talked to volunteers how to use our database program, which is perfect. 
love to work with little kids. They write their the numbers on this each shelf. They, they really just write really every number on each shelf. Go over and change the location. That's not as All we did every first because it can be a one day week program. We were in the building. Um, Within six months, but you may be able to recruit. We were functioning. If someone came in and said, "I want to see this object," we read ours in the there summer. was a really They're strong chance we could go down. So you may be able to bring the current library within six months. As and our volunteers let them work during the summer. You may be able to you know, because we were still having to move in. We were still having to clean up and, and set up set up exhibits and, and refine the exhibits process. And our volunteers did that, and they've been doing that. And within six months, we were through. Essentially, through we had relocated. 99% of our collections, and so for the last four years, what they've been doing literally is going in and taking one box off the shelf, taking that box over to the table, taking everything out of that box, verifying what's in that box, measuring it, taking pictures of it, updating the, the information in the database, and again, over the last four years, by using our volunteer, we're almost at the end. We've yeah, literally come persistent and we're almost as easy. If it was just me and it was uh, Susan and Jill, and, and I most still be on the first two or three because there's no time because I'm having to answer phones. I'm having to go out into the field and, and do things. I'm having to go upstairs and program whatever. So that to me is why volunteers are critical. Just absolutely critical. The gentleman now comes in every morning, right about 9 o'clock, stays till about noon, and I've got him, he does everything. He enters data into the database. Here lately, we've been uh, surveying our, our furniture collections. He goes through, and I have him clean, because he had just had, he's good with his hands, and he wants to do that, so I have him clean. And I have to watch him pretty close, because... Anyone knows with historical objects, you can clean things a certain way, but you can't clean them like you would your furniture in your house. You can't use the pledge, you know, you can't scrub on them with a little washcloth. So. But I've been training, and he's very good at it, and he's very dedicated to it. So, and Martha, uh, like I say, she goes up and gets into the files, she runs into a problem, she goes up, uh, gets into the files, and, and figures out what things are. And she's doing it just a magnificent. We do a uh, just magnificent. We don't even have to super volunteer committee that meets once a month. I have another lady that I work with quite closely. Uh, she's not that good on the computers, but uh, but other than that, she shows up on her day. She goes through boxes and it's interesting. I've got to go hunt things for her to do so that she doesn't get scribed. So I understand how it goes and and other. Uh, volunteers, we've gone. We we have a collection that was given to us when uh, Kerr McGee sold out to Anadarko Basin. Do you think that your institution you have? They gave us everything they had in their corporate program. Collecting volunteers. Volunteers logged all that stuff. They they registered all that stuff. Logged it. Got it into our database. And so they, they just perform valuable service. Sure. I, 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 I don't know why it's that. There's not one volunteer. Um, there are certain volunteers who don't have that. just like this. But beyond that, for our volunteers, yeah, and they, I mean, anytime we need like a program, that they're the first ones to say, "Hey, what can I do to help?" Um, you know, some of these yeah. volunteers have become sure. great friends of theirs. They've formed bands together. I mean, it's a really a like community our ed our feel. Our museum um, educator kind of so we have three full time really have a lot of support. And our museum educator is part time. Mm -hmm. She kind of fulfills that role. <coughs> it's, it's there's yeah, do that. We need. We have a staff hand, but we don't have a volunteer hand. I have. You need to get one. Okay. And you need to lay out this. These are grounds for dismissal. Okay. And and get and let the volunteers know that there that there is behavior that you would like. Currently, by the staff person who was in there are ways okay. that you can let um, volunteers off the hook okay. and shoot them out the door and okay. your service for okay. 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 And there are ways to do that. And the reason so I ask if you had a volunteer coordinator is because as far as how they organize themselves. If you have the volunteer coordinator and then you also have the um, vacuum at your director mm -hmm. for the volunteer uh, coordinator. Um, I mean, we've had a, a lot of volunteers. 
but you can't be the only person responsible for that. I mean, um, and quite frankly, there have been volunteers that um, we have tried to match in certain areas, and they just don't work, and we relocate them. You know, I mean, Mike had one early on, and she just wasn't working. So we found she's much better than she She's not a collection volunteer. Yeah, very intelligent. And she's a great volunteer. She just wasn't the right match. Okay. She knew more than me, and she knew how to do things, and she was going to do it her way. <laughs> she was fresh out of school, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> love you, teach so, you. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like, and I would love to sit and talk to you for three hours. It sounds like you guys need to, I don't want to wrap up with but it sounds like you guys need to actually start a program. You know, as opposed to just taking one body. Yes. She she does have people fill out an application, and there's a, you know she has a reading process and she does extensive training, and it's really not that. But in general, though, it's sure. especially as we get that uh, work in collections, and this was before I got down here. I was still in Scotty, but you had to knock on the door before you entered. Make sure they got dressed. <laughs> there are some interesting stories. In the world. Uh, well, it's tough. We have I think it's tough. Now that time is not. Um, we have an article in the newspaper. newspaper where the police were called to their apartment one night, and the only thing she had on was a little spike dot collar. Which yes. was dead. And that's why we do background checks. And that's why you lay out your nonprofit activities. Well, and she has had people that she just said, no, I'm sorry, we don't And I think even the lower staff for you. Because of things that we And that's why Shade and I, that person who is sort of the, you know, the gatekeeper of the program. This year we started doing something different. Volunteers do not come into our monthly and it sounds like dogs, you might need to you know, sort of start thinking in that round too if you don't already because you've got a bunch of volunteers who are freebasing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and you need some rules and yeah, some structure I will say Rishkan I work in collections I was very reluctant to get volunteers because I really generally couldn't figure out how to fold them into what I was doing you know and, you know, and uh, when, then I got a wonderful graduate students who, and, you know, and it's, I think it depends on the person too, but I mean, she is like an angel from heaven, and I mean, we have really made progress, and it's given me a second wind, and so if you are very specific, but we interviewed her, and we got references, and, you know, so if you could pick out somebody that's already a volunteer that you know of, that that would be a good way to kind of ease into having someone in collections that you know they're detail-oriented and they're respectful, and, I mean, of the objects, not of you, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So that really turned me around. One of the things I try to do when I get a new person in my house, I try to give them the philosophy. And one thing I started doing with that is I saw their staff members who were getting like, is that all we are is a caretaker, and our job, our job is to make sure that these objects are still here 100 years ago. So they're getting the you know, these are not toys. These are not things we can hold. Oh, I could so play with toys. A very but uh, you uh, job, everything we have to do very is geared towards trying to protect these things. There will be the relationship under 500 years. Because every time I look at this object, it's made in Scotland in the 1770s. And now all of a sudden, here it is in Oklahoma. That's a tremendous story for me. And so that, I start trying to, and I work intensely with you first, until I'm fairly confident that they're not just going to, 
part. Well, we've, we've had interns in the past. I've had, I've had volunteers. You know, I first started the museums 20 years ago. We had a volunteer who'd been there for 10 years previously. She's been there for 10 years. But it's, it's been very spread. If we don't have, I don't have a program. Right. It's just been kind of. There's a paradigm or a thought process that, yeah. that you have to subscribe to the student. We don't take every warm body that comes in the door. You wouldn't hire somebody, a staff person, without going through that process. Right. You shouldn't do that with a volunteer. I mean, you should do the same process with a volunteer. You don't just come in and do that. You know, especially if you work with children or vulnerable populations, you know, things like that. You need to know who is also because it protects you, the organization, and also protects the volunteer as well. So there's that. That's why I'm so adamant about having a real program as opposed to just taking one line. And volunteers should never be taken for granted. Uh -huh. They shouldn't be thought of as a product to be used up in the discard. The flip side of that for me is that um, nor should we genuflect when they walk through the door. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's sort of like, oh my God, you're willing to help me for no money. Well, listen, dealing with those artifacts is a privilege. Exactly. It's, it's something that it's an ex we can offer you an experience of stimulation, education, growth that you're not going to get if you're volunteering at the local hospital and at the experience that the general public most people are never going to get. So, so in my head, what we're doing here is a mutual benefit, which means that for me, so many times, you need to put it on paper. What are you looking for? What are your expectations? And and they need to have that paper so that they know what your expectations are. We've already determined that if someone doesn't have computer skills, then they're not going to work. Kids. How does that exactly? But there are some that, and it's okay to set up, um, standards. you know, standards, yeah, prerequisites for participating right. in the program. And there are room for people in collections with no computers. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. You need people to move big heads. <laughs> okay, I know that we could do this all day long, but now, oh gee, now we need to, um, Let's start talking about how we can make things better. And we've kind of started that over here. I'm assuming you guys have done that here. So let's do a little bit of cross-sharing uh, with the tables. Um, maybe pick two ideas that really got a lot of discussion going, um, and then some of the input that you got from the people at your table about how you could make those things better. So I know you all want to raise your hand really, really quick and do that. So um, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> What kind of what got you guys started going over here? Is there something in specific or anyone? Oh, interesting. There is okay. Um, you're a volunteer, aren't you? Yes. There is an organization, um, and if you'll email me, I'll send you the white paper on it. But it's a railroad museum that's in Colorado, and they have unpaid staff. They don't have volunteers. Yes. Right. Except that they're priceless. <laughs> yeah. Volunteer staff. They have their their program there is amazing um, for their volunteers for their volunteer staff, and um, they do everything from overseeing budgets to building programs to giving tours it's remarkable and I, every time I get a little down I always or I want to revision where we're going I read that because I'm like we're gonna get there I swear <laughs> it's the railroad museum in Colorado and I have the white paper on it there's a, a monthly e-newsletter that comes out called volunteer power and he wrote the article a couple of years ago um, so anyway um, but that's a that's a wonderful idea yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else from this? What else? Good ideas that you've come up with. Anybody? Or aha moments or things that you want to take back and toy with? Anyone? Like, Emily? Um, that, 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 that she will have projects where she'll have a leave or 
So you have a lead volunteer on a project. Okay, that's a great idea. Anybody else? Okay, they're out. They're 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 showing us up over here, you guys. <laughs> Background checks. You have to make sure. It you have to make sure that it's it's equitable between volunteers and staff. You can't just do the volunteer background checks. You also have to be doing staff volunteer. So, okay, yeah. But yeah, you're right. You need to know who it is that's in your house that you're working with. So it protects the organization as well as the volunteer. If, if I can jump in on that, if, if you don't do background checks for your staff, but you are thinking that maybe that's something that that makes sense to you for volunteers, you don't have to do a formal background check, but you certainly can be checking references. Mm -hmm. You can ask. Because I'm sure that your staff members' references are checked um, before someone is hired, or at least I hope they are. Well, are the person who's been there the least amount of time is about five years. So, I don't, I mean, retroactively, we wouldn't go back to sure. background checks. But yeah, I mean, it's just something they didn't create for volunteers. And just as a point of information, there's an organization called American Checked, and they're in Tulsa. It's a web based um, uh, background check, and they do a national check for volunteers for $3. No, it's always just $3. American checked. And again, I have my card. You're welcome to take it, and I'll send any of this information to you because I have a long list of resources for volunteer managers I'd love for you all to have. I just don't like to hand out white papers to people, you know, if they don't have to carry it home. Okay, what else over at this table? We talked about the necessity of having a handbook guidelines for Yes, yes. Mary Louise has a whole bunch of volunteers who are freebasing, so... <laughs> They need some structure. <laughs> so her, her uh, agenda is a book or a program, a standard program. So, yeah. Do you guys have those? <laughs> she's looking, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a whole bunch of volunteers who are just out of control. <laughs> um, what else? Anyone? Has this been helpful at all? Yes. Yes? Okay. Got your mind going a little bit? Got you excited? Ready to quit your job? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Why is that? Um, I am very lucky to have a board member that is very generous, and we take our volunteers on a week-long trip. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to volunteer for you. There's other issues that But you know, at the same time, if you have a program quote unquote, there, people volunteer for all kinds of reasons. So you have to understand what rewards that are necessary and because um, we're all looking to fulfill needs for various reasons. So we have a reward system, quote unquote, at our museum. We go on a volunteer field trip every summer and we go for the day, we charter a bus, we pick a destination and things, fun things to do along the way. We have education programs twice a month. Um, so, you know, if you build a program and you put in standards for participation, then you can also provide rewards, tangible and untangible, and those kinds of things. So we have an annual banquet, appreciation banquet. Um, so how many of you all kind of do those kinds of things? Okay. No? All right. So, all right. Good. All righty. Yes? Does anyone have a formal evaluation program pro a process for your volunteers? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
That's something we started doing, even in our interview process. We started including um, regular or our current volunteers in the interview process for new volunteers, and then we also. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we all have to take baby steps to get there, um, and then all of our tour guides they go they do a, a tour their first tour is for evaluation and a staff person goes with that with them along with we've started to include other volunteers on that evaluation tour yes <laughs> uh, which most people wouldn't do it, but a few people have, have been very diligent and they think they should take their, their so make sure that they don't take their phone along. But if they start asking questions about somebody else's tour, start asking themselves questions, that starts them thinking about them, what is a good tour and what's a bad tour. And then when you get everybody to come back and you give them an assignment, say by, by um, November 1st, everybody needs to have done this, and then you get everybody together and you start talking about what went well and what didn't go well, and then give them the same form and ask them, ask them to think about their own tour at the end of it. It becomes more of an interesting exercise than I'm being singled out. Yeah, and, and just judged up or down. Right. And Because that's not what we want. We want to help people improve, obviously. And they want to do a good job, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Mm -hmm. We tend to get tunnel vision yeah. about our own organization. Beth. Right. And I think that's the best thing that you could do because somebody said they want to, we want to help them improve. Well, we want people to be successful. We're not setting them up for failure. So what is it that we can do to help you get to where it is you want to be? And that's how I've always sort of phrased volunteer evaluations is this isn't about me saying you're doing great or bad. This is talk to me. How are you doing? Are you doing the things that you thought you were going to be doing? Do you like what you're doing? You know, how can we get you to point B? Yeah. 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 And 
as we built this lexicon, I said to myself, you know what? We need to hone their skills as presenters. We need to hone their skills as researchers. And we also need to share the content of what these people are doing with the rest of the volunteers mm -hmm. and staff. So what we decided that we would do is that we would run an, an enrichment Saturday uh, and give each one of these presenters an opportunity to present the lecture that they've developed oh. and that they are taking on the road to present that to the volunteers and the staff with the full understanding that that, vol that volunteer group and that staff group were not only going to serve, serve as people that they wanted to share with, but they were going to be critiquing, mm -hmm. that they were going to be giving feedback to that particular ambassador on how they might improve their presentation, how they might, you know, edit their content. Uh, and so we were killing a bunch of stones, a bunch of birds with, with this one big stone. And I'm really excited about the potential here because it's wonderful when people realize that we're all in this together mm -hmm. and that all of us is so much better than one of me. Mm -hmm. And when you get people into a position where they are judging others, peer review is so important. You know, it's like, oh wow, you care enough about my opinion to ask my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that it, it drops some of that intimidation that you're talking about. Yeah. Like, how dare you, you know, uh, say this yeah. to me. It's more of a group kind of dynamic. It's more of uh, everybody uh, with one goal, and the goal is always, from my, uh, from my perspective, what's best for the collection, mm -hmm. what's best for the institution. You know, how can we all grow and learn and you know be better at what we do? So that was one of those things that I tripped over and said, mm -hmm. "I'll take it and use it on my own." <laughs> <laughs> And Sandra's touched on an idea that we talked about earlier that I really wanted to, to just kind of share with everybody, and that is the idea of volunteers filling a hole versus expanding capacity for an organization. We certainly need volunteers to, you know, be the clicker at the door and address the envelopes, you know, and answer the phone, but we also have the opportunity to take or to train a group of passionate people about our mission and expand what we are able to provide to our communities and you know to our state or whatever whatever your level is so i challenge you all to challenge your staff to think about that and are they just looking at volunteers as hole fillers or are they actually thinking about the opportunity and the power that they have available to them yes so think about those things. Okay, we are rapidly running out of time. I could talk about this all day. Um, I have up on the uh, screen, this is very strange to me, but I have up on the screen um, just a brief couple of um, resources for you for volunteer manager type people. There's the, how many of you knew that there's an American Association for Museum Volunteers, AAMV? AAMV.org. We are an um, affiliate of the American Association for Museums, and we meet at AAM every year. <laughs> and um, we have several sessions that we sponsor at AAM every year. We also have a listserv that you can sign on to once you become a member for a very nominal fee. <laughs> we also have a book that they wrote called Transforming Museum Volunteering, which you can get a copy of at authorhouse.com. Um, it's a wonderful book. It breaks down what is best practices for museum volunteer programs. It's the only resource like it available. I highly recommend it. I did not write any chapter or any word of it. Uh, a few of my favorite online resources, Charity Channel, Independent Sector, AAM, and the Points of Light Foundation, any of those have wonderful resources available for volunteer programs for museums and nonprofit organizations. And a white paper, Balancing Act, The Challenges and Benefits of Volunteers, and then there are countless others. I have a whole two sheets worth of just 
endless resources for volunteer programs. If you e email me, I will email it to you, and it has live links on it, okay? I'm happy to answer any questions at all on anything about volunteer management. How are we doing? Did we do good? Did you get some insight, some excitement? Um, does anybody have any questions or parting shots? It's about seven minutes till. Please, please, please fill out the evaluation. I hope it was helpful to you, and you can leave them at the back door. Anybody have anything else they want to touch upon before we break up? Okay. Thank you so much for attending um, today's session, and I hope you enjoyed the conference itself. I think this is it, isn't it? Wow. Warriors, you stayed till the end. <laughs> yes? I want to say something. Sure. I'm a former council member. I've been coming to these meetings for a very long time. Uh -huh. This is the first time I've ever been at a roundtable that really was one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I really do. I didn't want us to be the, hey, we know everything, look at us, dog and pony show. I wanted it to really be a discussion because it's like um, Sandra said earlier, we're all in it together. And that doesn't just mean in our museums, it means as a whole. We're all in it together. And anything we can ever do to be helpful to build your uh, volunteer program stronger, um, you know, any of us in this room are happy to help. And that's the one thing I found in this, um, Rebecca and I had dinner earlier this week, and that's one thing that we talked about is, the volunteer community as a whole, the volunteer manager community as a whole, they're so helpful. I've never, ever been turned down when I've asked for assistance or a copy of a form or to look at their volunteer manual or anything. They've just always been so very helpful. So anyway, again, thank you. Have a safe trip home wherever you're going. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you.